As I was watching the uh, children, which I see every Sunday morning, but I just happened to notice this morning how joyfully they were running up to get their sermon bags this morning, some running, some skipping, just made me think, as adults, might we run and skip to hear God's Word as well, to receive, to have what, to receive what He has for us as well today, like the shepherds who hurried off to Bethlehem to see this thing that had come to pass. Oh, that we would regularly, I suppose, have a hunger and a desire to uh, receive God's Word, receive what He has for us. So there are some things um, in life that are worth waiting for, yes? Despite the fact that we do not like waiting. And sometimes if the wait is too long, uh, some of us are tempted to run ahead, take things into our own hands make things happen on our own, or we become distracted, or we just give up, and we go on to the next thing. Ours is a culture of speed and success. One of the reasons that online, online shopping has become so successful is the speed with which things arrive. With a click of the button, you can have virtually anything at your front door in two days. That works great, in a consumer-driven culture, but not so great for cultivating a spiritual life. Waiting on God, being still, resting, trusting, living with an expectant hope is a hallmark of mature spirituality and of the Christian faith. One of the major themes that's woven throughout the big God story, that's woven throughout Scripture, is the theme of waiting. Virtually any story that you could think of off the top of your head in some way involves waiting. Somebody's waiting for something. Richard Nixon once said in an interview, this was back in 1986, that as Americans, we have many great strengths, but one of our weaknesses is impatience. He said the Russians think in terms of decades. The Chinese think in terms of centuries. Americans think in terms of years, months, and even days. And the context in which he spoke those words was uh, the quest for peace. And he said, we're bound to be disappointed if we expect overnight success or instant gratification. But that can be applied to so many things. We meet two people in our scripture this morning whose lives were marked by waiting. They show us that not only was the wait worth it, but the promise and the one that they were awaiting was worthy of the wait. In uh, the weeks leading up to Christmas, we were following the story as Luke relates it in his gospel. We're going to continue that this morning, so if you want to follow along, I invite you to go there with me to Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. Up to this point in Luke's gospel, we have heard of many of the events surrounding Jesus coming into the world. We, we witnessed and heard of angels, heavenly messengers coming to announce to Zechariah, to Mary, to Joseph what God was about to do. We heard uh, accounts of people being filled or anointed with the Holy Spirit. Again, Zechariah and Elizabeth, John the Baptist, uh, and others And and then we hear, ultimately, of the birth of John the Baptist, who was the forerunner of Christ, pointing people to Jesus. 
and then the birth of Jesus himself. But the story continues. In the days following Jesus' birth, that's the account that we pick up this morning, chapter 2, beginning with verse 21. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, You now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, and then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a word and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phenuel of the tribe of Asher, who was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84, or it can also be read, was a widow for 84 years. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is God's Word. So there's um, a number of things that we might um, point out in this text, one of which is the faithfulness, which we've heard previously, the faithfulness uh, of Mary and Joseph. They are devout. They are following the... the, the, uh, they're, They're doing their religious duties, if you will. And this is the home that Jesus was raised in. This is the home that Jesus was exposed to. And uh, their faithfulness, their obedience to the things of their faith put them in a place where they continued to experience God at work, put them in a place where they were around other believers and heard of the ways that God was at work in others who then blessed them, Simeon and Anna in particular. And so we meet in our text this morning, Simeon and Anna were told that they are righteous and devout. And uh, we're told that both of them apparently were elderly. We assume that Simeon was elderly because it it seems as though he's been waiting for the Lord. He's been told that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. 
So we assume he's near the end of life. We're told that Anna is old. In fact, as I mentioned before, she was married for seven years, and then uh, some, depending on how you translate it, it isn't clear whether she, was, whether she was now 84 years old or whether she was a widow for 84 years. So, but it says that she was very old. So she may be about 100 or a little older at this point, very elderly. But both are, are righteous, are devout believers, faithful. Simeon has, uh, they both seem to have an anointing of the Holy Spirit on them, which again was unusual for the time. These are special people, and uh, God is at work in their lives, and they now have encountered, and because of their faithfulness, because of their own listening to God and waiting and being in the right place, they also now witnessed God at work in Christ. So, um, Simeon and Anna represent old saints, elders, the spiritually mature, who through long years or long obedience are where they need to be when God shows up. And the day that Mary and Joseph arrived at the temple, the Spirit prompts Simeon to go into the temple courts. Simeon, we can assume, had a close relationship with God, that the Spirit had revealed this to him. In fact, the Spirit is mentioned three times, that, that the Spirit was upon him, that the Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Christ. And then that very day, the Spirit was moving him to be in the temple at that time. This was a God-orchestrated meeting, which makes me wonder sometimes how, much, how often our encounters with people, just on a day-to-day basis, are actually something that God has orchestrated. The people that God has put on our path, or, or we put on the path of other people to, to be mutual blessings, perhaps. But the fact that God is at work in those seemingly mundane circumstances. Well, Simeon takes Jesus into his arms. He praises God, and he can't hold it in. This, this is the moment that he's been waiting for. This is the moment he's been waiting for. An obvious application for us is to take Jesus into your arms, to take Jesus into your heart, to take Jesus into your life, to take Jesus into your home is going to prompt you as well to praise God. Simeon breaks out in what is called uh, the nunc dimittis. It's a Latin term for the, the song or the words that he speaks. It literally means now dismiss. It says, Sovereign Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. To see, listen, to see Jesus is to see God's salvation. To see Jesus is to see God's light and revelation. To see Jesus is to see the face of God. The first verse of John's gospel reads this way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Jesus is what God has to say. Christians are to believe in the infallible and the, iner- and the inerrant word of God, and his name is Jesus. Jesus, who is one with the Father, he is love, he is light, he is life, and more life. So literally, as Simeon is holding him, he says, my eyes have seen your salvation. What a gift What a gift for Simeon. What a gift for the world. If the mystery of God is a thousand-piece jigsaw puzzle, the picture on the cover of the box 
is Jesus. Jesus is the face of God, the icon of God, the word of God. Infallibly, the Bible points to Jesus, who is the clearest revelation of God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word. Jesus is that word. I think of, again, Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with the disciples, and God the Father says to the disciples, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. He is the word of God. He is what God has to say. So Simeon is holding and beholding his Savior and his salvation. The incarnation, which is what we celebrate at Christmas, is God's ultimate act of self-disclosure. Jesus finally and fully reveals to humanity what God is like. Jesus, as I said, is the clearest and perfect revelation of God. And Simeon has been waiting decades. Simeon has been waiting probably decades for this Messiah. Israel's been waiting for centuries for their Redeemer. And the world has been waiting for millennia for the Prince of Peace. Jesus is only days or weeks old when Simeon holds him. He won't, Jesus won't begin his ministry for another 30 years. Jesus' death and resurrection is 33 years out. More waiting. More waiting for a man who's already old. (laughs) And yet Simeon speaks as though it is already accomplished. My eyes have seen your salvation. Not your coming salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. For Simeon... Nothing is going to stop God's plans. In the words of of the Old Testament prophet, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's as good as done. In the mind, in the heart of, of Simeon, it's as good as done. There's no more waiting. Salvation is available today. And he was claiming it. And Simeon declares that the salvation of God has been prepared in the sight of all people, a light to the Gentiles and for glory to Israel. In the big God story, this is a significant moment in time. In history, Jesus' coming is the fulfillment of promises made at the beginning of time, echoed through the ages, and now fulfilled in Christ. As you read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you hear the loving purposes of God. From humanity, our first, our original blessing, being made in the image of God, and then through the fullness of time, ultimately we share we share in the divine community because of Christ. We hear of our first disobedience to the redemption that is now ours in Christ. From the fall that affected not only us but all of creation to the restoration of all of creation. Shalom. This Jesus is God's salvation and light for the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. Jesus Jesus is the sign and seal of God's loving purposes for humanity and for all of creation. And even though we are still waiting for the fullness of the gospel to be realized, while we are still waiting for Christ to come again, even though the kingdom breaks in from time to time in our own time, we're still waiting for the fullness of that. It's as good as done. We need to remember that when the world looks really dark. 
when our own lives seem very broken, we need to remember that it's as good as finished because the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. We can be as confident as Simeon was. Lord, you can now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Dismissing his servant in peace. Having seen Jesus, Simeon is at peace. He is ready for God to call him home. Everything else in life now pales in comparison to what he has just experienced. Can you imagine that? Holding, did you catch the song that Marcy and was singing a few moments ago, that, that Jesus, who made the stars, who put the stars in the heavens, was now at his mother's breast, vulnerable. It's an amazing story. So Simeon's holding the creator of heaven and earth, the savior of mankind, the one who will usher in shalom in God's good creation. So he's at peace. I mean, there's, there, what else are you going to experience in life that can top this? Nothing, nothing. Everything else will pale. He has met Jesus, and the details of the rest of his life's resume are irrelevant. That's the way I want to die. In God's time, at peace with God, and with, with Jesus in my heart, with the assurance that salvation is mine, that I am loved, that I am forgiven, that I am free, that I am bound to Christ, that I am God's child, and that my destiny is in God's loving hands. I wonder if Simeon can consider that. That as he's holding his Savior in his hands, his Savior's holding him. I'm at peace because I know that in Christ my life will go on endlessly and gloriously before me. That's the peace that Simeon knew. You now dismiss your servant in peace. Simeon's joy and assurance sounds much like the Apostle Paul's own testimony in Philippians 3. After Paul, after listing his degrees and his pedigree, his accomplishments, his achievements, all the things that would have given him high marks, success, if you will, in Israel, would, would have been considered a, a, a person worthy of honor and respect and all of those things. Paul said this, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. I consider them, listen, rubbish, garbage, worthless, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. And then Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. You talk about, you talk about a, a worthy New Year's resolution. I want to know Christ. I want to know him deeply. I want to know him intimately. I want to know him personally in a way that I can have the same kind of assurance that Simeon had, the kind of assurance that Paul had and that many others down through the ages have had because they are holding the Christ in their hearts and they know him personally. Well, I've been focused almost entirely on Simeon. Let's give Anna a little time too, can we? She was there. She was probably, as I said, a little over 100 years old. We're told that she was a prophetess, which means there was an, an anointing on her life. She spoke for God. She spoke God's word. She was a godly, devout woman who devoted herself to God and the things of God. We're told that she fasted and prayed. She never left the temple. 
I suspect, you know, when the, some of the scathing rebukes that, rebukes that Jesus made of the religious leaders of his time, I suspect that poor old Anna was in that temple and probably many of those scribes and religious leaders just looked at her as some doddering old woman. There she is again. What is she doing? Muttering to herself. No, she's anointed. She's a prophetess. She's old. She loves the Lord. And like Simeon, she is waiting for the promise, waiting for the consolation of Israel. She has an intimate relationship with God. She counted God and his promises worthy of the wait. Anna also was blessed to see her Savior, to see her salvation. There's probably another important application to make from this passage. Two elderly believers, saints, servants of God, possessing wisdom and maturity of faith, they're still being used by God. They stand as reminders to all of us that God is at work in young and old alike. Listen, friends, until God calls you home, I don't care how old you are, until God calls you home, You have a role to play in this yet unfolding big God story. So let me encourage all of us to be like Simeon. Pay attention to the ways that the Holy Spirit is moving you. And to be like Anna, faithful, perhaps in fasting, certainly in prayer. And be like both of them. Be sure to be in the place where you're likely to hear and see God at work. Those who have seen Jesus, those who know Jesus, those who belong to Jesus will be like Jesus. Never perfect, of course, but growing into Christ-likeness. We are the body of Christ in the world. We are little incarnations of Christ. He is the light of the world, but Jesus also said to his followers, you are the light of the world. As we carry Christ's light into the world, we bring light and hope and healing. And as we are reminded in the Advent season that we are waiting like Simeon and Anna, not, we're not waiting for Jesus to be born again. We are waiting for Christ to return in glory at the end of time. We are waiting now for the kingdom of God to break into the present. We are waiting also for the kingdom of God to be finally and ultimately ushered in. When there will be, and I remind you of the promises of Scripture, the same kinds of promises that Simeon and Anna were waiting for, that there will be an end to war and violence, an end to sickness and suffering, an end to loneliness and despair, an end to sorrow and tears, and no more death. This is the prom- these are the promises of God. These are the things that are as, as good as accomplished, even though In many cases, we are still waiting for their final fulfillment. Creation also is waiting and longing for that day. Some days, hope seems fleeting, doesn't it? You look at the world some days. It seems so dark, so bleak. The world is filled with so much ignorance and unbelief and greed and arrogance and violence The circumstances of our own lives or of those that we love sometimes seem difficult, overwhelming, if not hopeless. But as people of God, we dare not lose hope. 
but wait in expectation. The promises of God and God himself, Christ returning, is worthy of the wait. The wait may be long. It may be excruciatingly long, but we must trust that God is at work even in the waiting. We're not waiting for God to do something. God's already doing something, even in the waiting. No time is wasted in the waiting. But I would remind you, as in the case of Simeon and Anna, the wait was worth it. Better stated, Jesus and the loving purposes of God, God's plans are worthy of the wait. But waiting doesn't mean sitting by idly, biding our time. It means rolling up our sleeves and doing our part to bring life and light and love into this world, to be difference makers, to have impact, to pray and work in ways that usher in the kingdom of God. We are little Christ, incarnations of Christ to the world, bringing hope and help. Ideally, the world as it sees us, as it sees the church, engaging, loving, forgiving, reconciling, advocating, protecting, providing, proclaiming, there will be those who will look upon us, the church, as though they were looking upon Christ himself because we are, and they will say, I am at peace. I am at peace. My eyes have seen your salvation. We wait and pray like everything depends on God, and we work like everything depends on us. We are little Christ bringing light to this world. Let me just close with, with, these, with some questions for you to leave you with. I want you to think about those things, those things that grieve your heart the most in this world. Think about the things that, that, that disturb you, that bother you, that, that, that cause you to churn inside, that just grieve your soul when you hear, when you see those things. What are those things? And those things that prompt you to pray, Oh Lord, how long? How long will this continue? I want you to think about those things for a moment. Or think also about what it is that you might be passionate about. What gets your heart beating? What are you excited about? Only perhaps things just aren't lining up yet. It doesn't seem like the right time. You're waiting for the doors to open. Oh Lord, how long? Perhaps while you are waiting for something to change, something to become clear, or a door to open in your life, waiting on the Lord, be still, rest, trust, pray. And while you are waiting, watch, listen, lean in, and believe that God is at work even now, preparing you for whatever it is that will appear. Let's pray. We praise you, God, for sending Jesus, for being our light and salvation. Forgive our slowness to believe. Lord, the fears and worries that overwhelm and our impatience 
with so much of life. Holy Spirit, hover over the troubled waters of our world and the troubled waters of our hearts and grant us peace and the ability to be still, to rest, to wait on you. Fill our hearts with a joyful expectation and our hands and feet with meaningful labor for your kingdom. As we await Christ's return in glory, make us little Christ in this world, bringing light to dark places, the hope of salvation and healing to a hurting world. And Lord, let us not grow weary or tired in doing good, but make us faithful like Mary and Joseph, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, like Simeon and Anna. Help each of us to take Jesus into our arms, into our hearts and our homes, and grant us, Lord, your peace. We pray it through him who is, who was, and who is to come. Amen.